Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are, this is the Interpreter's Workshop Podcast. I'm Tim Curry, your host. Here we talk everything sign language interpreting. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the sideways of interpreting. If you're a student, a new interpreter, experienced interpreter, this is the place for you. If you want to know more, go to interpretersworkshop.com. Let's start talking interpreting. And now the quote of the day by Joseph Campbell, American author, psychologist, and philosopher. We must be willing to let go of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Today I tell you a little of how I prepare for my interpreting work, what I need, what I ask for, and what I do with what I get. So how does the quote of the day fit to this topic? Well, I'm sure you can imagine, but stay until the end and I'll make it clear. We interpret in many different situations, so we prepare differently for each one. Today I will share my general way of preparing for an interpreting gig or an assignment. Normally, we think preparing for a gig means studying the materials, the materials for a presentation, a workshop, conference, etc. But there are things to consider for all situations as well. And that's what I'll share with you today. Of course, I will give you examples with details. You know, speaking of materials for a presentation, I'm sure most interpreters have a pet peeve about not getting the materials for the presentation on time or at the last minute. And that's true. Most people send materials at the last minute. I know whenever I'm presenting, I'm constantly updating my PowerPoint and changing things on it all the time just to make sure it's perfect all the way up until the last minute. That seems to be human nature for, for most people. One of my pet peeves used to be interpreters are the worst people to interpret for. It seems that they rarely get their materials to me on time. They forget that interpreting is a difficult job. They seem to use humor, which is usually language-based or culture-based. And you just think, ah, interpreters, you should know better. You know what it's like to be doing my job. So why are you making it more difficult? So interpreters seem to do exactly the same thing as everyone else, getting materials to us late and using their own language the way they want to without regard to the interpreter. And it makes sense. So let's address this. What do I do when I'm asking for materials to try to get the materials in a timely fashion and with clarity? The first thing I do is I, I request materials using a list of items within my email. I use very simple language. In other words, not long, complex sentences, but very simple sentences, very clear, because we all have emails in our inbox that we have to read through, and we go through them so quickly that sometimes we miss what someone's actually asked for or we misunderstand what people are asking for. And so I try to help the reader know exactly what I need. And I do that by making lists. And I try not to use bullet points. I use numbered lists or with letters. 
because that way you can easily talk about those in the list by referring to the letter or the number. So those lists, I ask for the general things that I need as an interpreter. I need PowerPoints. I need an agenda, a timeline, those sorts of things. All of those things I number out. The details that connect to each of these, I ask later. Because first I need to know what those general things are, and then I can come back with another email to ask about the details. That way I get more answers quicker. And it starts the conversation, the professional conversation and relationship with the organizer or with the presenters in a way that they know that I am in contact and thinking about making their presentation as as smooth as possible. So once I get the PowerPoint, for example, I go through it by reading each slide and hopefully the notes that might be there from the presenter, and I figure out what each slide means, what the purpose of each slide is. If I can't understand that, then I make notes accordingly. And I would use those notes to develop the questions that I need in the email or in person to the presenter. If I don't understand something and I don't have the time to ask, then I don't waste my energy trying to make assumptions about something, trying to create in my mind what it may or may not be. I might do that for a short time, but I will not do it and worry about it for days. Another thing is, in my emails, professionally, I'm not going to blame the other party for sending me something late or not sending me the right thing. As soon as I make it an aggressive email, I automatically will not get what I need, and it will not be a good relationship. Another way I can research this PowerPoint on my own, if I don't have time to ask the presenter or organizer, we have Google, we have Bing, and I do the research that way to figure out what the vocabulary is or the terminology that they use for their, uh, for their field. Okay, so that's really quick uh, what I do with materials such as PowerPoints, but let's now talk a little bit more in general. How do I prepare for interpreting jobs? So let's talk about three different categories for my preparation. One would be the practical area, two would be the interpreting area, and three will be more about my reflection of my decisions during that interpreting assignment. So practical preparation would be having water ready, so a bottle of water of some sort, uh, maybe even a snack. And one thing that's very, very important for me was something that was told to me by a colleague, mentor, highly respected friend. She told me that any time you get a break, use that time to go to the toilet. Go to the restroom every time you get a break, even if you don't feel like you need to, because you never know in this field when you're going to have another break. So for me, that's always been a very important piece of advice. I at least go in there, give myself a little break, maybe wash my hands, give myself that mental energy break. Other practical things would be, do I know how to get to this assignment? Do I know how long it takes to get to that place? 
not just from point A to point B, but also inside the building, the area, the room, what have you. And how long can I actually stay there? Do I have a very short window from this assignment to the next assignment? Or do I have extra time just in case I need to stay longer? Then I think about my clothing. How formal is this occasion? I think about getting into this area. Is there security? Is there a reception that I have to go through? And this connects to who is my contact for this particular place. Not necessarily the agency that I'm being hired from or the organization, but who is there at this site that I can contact for uh, finding the room or if something happens and I'm going to be late all of those things, who is my contact, and have that with me. And then I want to bring with me a list of questions that I have for the participants. I have them ready. I may never have to use them, but I have them just in case. And then I think about who will be there, their names, their age, their languages, their cultures. Each of these things I break out very detailed on my website in the solo interpreters checklist. I'll leave a link to that in the description. Think about these practical things. If we have all of the answers to these things, it reduces the stress for us when we are there. We can feel more confident that those little things we don't have to think about. You know that website I keep talking about? Well, go there, subscribe to get news and updates from me. A link is in the description. For now, let's go back. Now, where are my plans for this episode? I need to prepare more. So the next category that I think about is interpreting or the interpreting process. What things do I need to consider to help me create a quality interpretation? The first thing that comes to mind is the type of assignment. Is it a medical assignment? Is it an educational assignment? So many different types. And that gives me so much information already. If I know and understand the common schema or context in that situation, that setting, if I know who is normally the highest authority figure, like a doctor in a medical situation, then the nurse, the patients, all of that, I understand how that looks, how that feels, how people feel in that situation such as the patient compared to the doctor. I know that the doctor is more stressed probably because he's got lots of patients and he needs to work quickly, but compassionately. The patient is nervous maybe. Those things in that situation give me understanding of how they will communicate with each other. The next thing I consider is it connects to that, the goal. What is the goal or the purpose of this context? as well as the goal of each individual, because each person has a different goal, which will affect how they're communicating and what they're trying to achieve with this communication, which will then affect or influence my interpretation. And of course, this is just a mental process using assumptions. And I need to have that flexibility as those goals change in that setting. And I've already mentioned the questions that I jotted down. Well, I may also have questions for a medical assignment, questions that in my mind I can ask during the interpretation. Things like, how do I spell that medication? What does that medication do? 
Can you explain that medication a little more in depth? Things like that in a way that helps me not only clarify what is being said for my understanding, but also for those participants as well, but in a way that is not invasive. And the last thing is I need to make sure that my skills and my knowledge for this setting is high enough. Do I have the skills for this medical situation? Do I know this setting that I'm about to go in or not? And if I don't, then that leads to ongoing education. The next category I call reflections. I'm thinking about the assignment in a way of how I will make decisions. And so after the assignment, I will look at my decisions during this assignment and ask myself how it influenced my work. What were the consequences of my decisions? Did it influence the participants and how they communicated in a negative way or a positive way? Did I ever overstep my boundaries? Did I create conflicts where there shouldn't have been conflicts by my interpretation or by my decisions? Did I let the clients interact or did I control their interaction too much or not enough? So these last things in the reflection category connect to ethics and morals. And I start thinking about these things before I get to the assignment. And then after the assignment, I start answering those questions to myself or with a team if you happen to have a team. We all have those moments where it's like, oh, that just didn't feel right. And what I try and do is I figure out why it didn't feel right, what happened just before that feeling. So we should prepare physically and mentally. <laughs> Maybe interpreters aren't the worst people to interpret for. Maybe they are just like everyone else. And it's us who feel they should know better and make our job easier. Well, maybe we should just do our job. Do our job better. We should prepare by improving our skills and our knowledge. Get more experienced in places we haven't been before. Maybe be so prepared that we're willing to let go of a job when we're not qualified for it and prepare ourselves to let go of our preparation, to let go of our plans and our assumptions when we see that what we thought is not what we thought. So my last bit of advice is just prepare more, stress less, keep calm and interpret. Thanks for listening. Click on the links in the description that I mentioned. And as always, see you next week. Take care now.